Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast is brought to you by Goliath Technologies and Liquidware. If you enjoy the show each week, you have them to thank. And now for some news. The biggest story this week, in my opinion, is that IBM are to acquire Red Hat in a deal believed to be valued at $34 billion. The price is interesting as Red Hat had been valued at about $20.5 billion. IBM will be buying all shares and will be paying $190 per share. Last Friday, the stock was valued at just over $116 per share. This acquisition is the largest in the long history of IBM, who have seen their business hurting a little bit in recent history. With Red Hat's dominance as an enterprise Linux solution, which speaking from my own experience, most places I have worked, there has been a Red Hat footprint. Well, this gives IBM a stronger presence in enterprise data centers, and it is expected that Red Hat will join IBM's cloud division. It'll be interesting to see how this develops. Could it just be the thing to allow IBM to claw back into the cloud fight against Amazon and Microsoft? Time will tell. About a week ago, airline Cathay Pacific reported that they discovered an outside source breached their systems and passenger data. Interestingly, New Vector reports that Cathay started migrating to a hybrid cloud solution built on top of Red Hat in 2017. While details haven't been provided on the specifics of the breach, New Vector used the event as a reminder to those moving to platforms such as Red Hat with containers that you should put effort into integrating a security mesh. Some believe containers by themselves, since they're isolated, are secure enough, but that is not the case. Sticking with our Linux container theme here for a minute, Facebook announced they have open sourced their suite of Linux kernel components and tools. This suite of tools is really remarkable. If you've listened to all the episodes of this podcast, you may recall I covered a story about Facebook's claims that they invented the modern container before anybody else, but that they only used it internally. Perhaps these tools are the makeup of that claim. If you read the details, you can see that the tools basically optimize the running of applications or code on Linux, doing things like checking to see if idle processes can be killed to regain memory and CPU. They also logically group workloads together and have their own copy on write file system, which really sounds like a container. The previous boasts about their container system was that it allowed them to meet Facebook's massive demand efficiently and effectively as required. No need to worry about spinning up new VMs in different regions to take care of growth. It'd be really interesting to see when people smarter than me dig through what Facebook have open sourced to see if others will start to leverage that to grow their business. Either way, kudos to Facebook. They get a lot of criticism, but it's cool that they're sharing this. Congrats to Simon Townsend, who has become Chief Marketing Officer for IGEL Technologies. Also, congrats to IGEL too, that's quite the coup. Simon has been an ever-present face in the EUC community, having spent 15 years working with AppSense and Avanti. IGEL Technologies have been very impressive with their marketing in the last couple of years. They've been very visible in the community at user groups as a sponsor, sponsoring different conferences, and of course, the crazy cash and Tesla giveaways. It'll be interesting to see what Simon and team do next. Citrix app layering version 4.15 has been released and supports Windows 10 v1803, Citrix virtual apps and desktop 7.18.08, and Citrix provisioning 18.08, as well as Zen server 7.6. There's also improvements for the Hyper-V integration, 
which now allows you to select the VM template, as well as changes to some of the connectors and more. For a full list, check out the link provided with this episode, which is episode 44, under reference links on 5bytespodcast.com or in the YouTube description. Speaking of app layering, Ryan Butler shared an icon grabber to allow you to easily grab and generate icons for your app layering layers in the management console. I'll also share this link. AMD have followed suit behind NVIDIA this week by announcing they will not be producing any new drivers for 32-bit versions of Windows. The latest supported build is version 18.9.3 and it was released last month. You can of course continue to run with your existing drivers, but they will no longer receive updates. If you haven't already, it's time to standardize on 64-bit. For all of you on LTSR, Citrix Zen App and Zen Desktop 715 Cumulative Update 3 has been released with hundreds of fixes. Some of the biggest issues addressed in my opinion include that after upgrading Zen App and Zen Desktop from 7.6, which is LTSR version 1, to version 715 LTSR Cumulative Update 1, certain services may have stopped or exited unexpectedly or became unresponsive intermittently during logon. So that is a pretty big issue. Also, there was another issue addressed in this release. Uh, The VDAs may become responsive after installing 7.15 Cumulative Update 2. For all Citrix users or customers out there, PVS 7.15 CU3 has also been released. So check out the complete release notes and list of fixes for yourself. Intune added some new features and fixes this week, including Intune Azure AD PowerShell capabilities, company portal branding, Windows 10 32-bit app support, and more. One of my favorite app virtualization vendors, Cameo, announced their product is now available on the Google Cloud Platform Marketplace. It's pretty interesting. With Nutanix buying frame, I wonder what direction this will go, and targeting Chrome OS users and GCP customers is a pretty smart move in my opinion. You know, even companies are particularly in education space who rely on Chrome OS, they still tend to rely on those Win32 apps. So delivering those to the end users can be quite a challenge in that environment. Cameo is a pretty good solution for that. Shout out to my fellow AppV MVP OGs, Ryan and Vignish, for sharing with me that a pretty major bug in AppV5 on Windows 10 has been addressed. If you're an AppV customer, you'll want to install KB4462939, 4462932, and 2933. The issue addressed is when AppV packages are removed and added, sometimes they wouldn't start and produce an error. Microsoft have released a pretty cool web-based office customization tool. It cuts out a lot of the steps for creating your office package configuration. You just fill in what you want on the site and it will generate your XML config for you. And that site is config.office.com. Google have somewhat followed in the footsteps of Tor in trying to eliminate the need for CAPTCHA. Google claims their solution can use learning to detect based on user workflow whether those accessing are bots or humans. So there's no real need for the recaptcha. I guess these have become such a nuisance to users that multiple vendors in this space are working on trying to get rid of them. Sticking with Google, Google's CEO sent an email to all employees supporting the mass employee walkout that took place earlier this week. The protest was against the handling of reports of sexual misconduct. The New York Times ran a story about male executives who committed sexual misconduct and 
pretty much got a golden handshake as they were dismissed. It's pretty gutsy for employees to take such a stance. So fair play to all of those who walked out and made your point. Not necessarily enterprise IT related, but kind of is if you deploy Apple devices. Apple held an event this week and announced the new MacBook Air range, iPad Pros, and Mac Minis. The Mac Mini is pretty interesting for me from a home lab perspective. It's a pretty neat small form factor. It could be great for a home lab, but it's also pretty expensive for what you get. Asimco on Twitter shared some really interesting metrics on the difference between the day one first release edition of iPad versus the iPad Pro that was announced. Compared with its inception, the new Pro has 1,000 times faster graphics, 35 times faster CPU, 5 times the pixels, it's 50% brighter, 50% thinner, 30% lighter, and has 16 times more storage. It's interesting to do a comparison and see how far it's come. Unfortunately, the extortion of pricing is a common theme for me from this reveal. Apple charged $200 for just 128 gigs more storage on the MacBook Air. What world are they living in? I know, one where they could charge that and people will pay it, so they'll continue to do it. But it's pretty disappointing. The one positive possibly for enterprise, I guess, is the Mac Mini, if you're to be able to run that in your data centers to run Mac OS for supporting your Apple devices, that could be kind of cool. And a personal plug or announcement that I'd like to make. I'm delighted to announce that I will be taking part in MVP Days online on November 28th. My session will cover application delivery in 2018, going into application virtualization, containers, layering, and more. Check out mvpdays.com for more. And now for this week's hot job. This week's hot job is with F5 based in Seattle as part of their cloud services team. The role is for a senior product marketing manager. Day-to-day -day activities include being the biggest customer advocate in the room, being the technical leader on the product marketing team, developing positioning in that differentiates F5 cloud services in the market compared to competitors, and more. And what you should have Typically, it requires a minimum of eight years of related experience with a bachelor's degree or six years in a master's degree or a PhD with three years of experience. MBA is preferred. And now for scripts, tricks, and tips. My fellow Microsoft MVP and fellow Irishman, Morris Daly, posted a great blog on how to build a shared kiosk Windows 10 PC running in kiosk mode using Intune. The blog post is very detailed and is very much a step-by-step -step guide. It's a really interesting use case. Working in healthcare as I do, it's something that has a definite use case for remote billers and also for the public shared machines on the hospital floors. I figured since it has practical application for my environment, it may also have some practical application in your environment, so I wanted to share that. And by the way, if you're a Citrix customer, their WEM tool has a built-in feature called WEM Transformer that can be used to quickly transform your clients into kiosk machines too. I mentioned IGEL earlier with the announcement of Simon Townsend joining as Chief Marketing Officer. IGEL has some really small form factor uh, thin clients and virtual clients, but also a really cool one which is a UD Pocket device which is perfect for those kiosk machines too. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, thin scale technologies thin kiosk which is 
a really awesome way to repurpose your old fat clients that you know otherwise you might recycle or get rid of and just it'll end up in a heap somewhere you could reuse those machines as kiosks and windows based kiosks at that which makes it easier to manage and a really feature rich client that's better in my opinion than a lot of the uh, i guess more established larger vendors in the think client space from a feature perspective and also end user experience that's it for another episode as always thank you so much for listening